Our text for this morning is the gospel lesson that was read just a few moments ago, Luke chapter 7, verses 18 through 21. It's on the back of your bulletin, so let me encourage you to keep it out and uh, be looking at it as we work our way through it. Luke chapter 7, verses 18 through 28. In the name of Jesus, amen. You know, there had not been a prophet in Israel for so some 400 years. And then all of a sudden, there is this man on the scene, and his lifestyle and his preaching simply electrify the religious atmosphere of the country at that time. Now, his coming, of course, had been foretold centuries before, first of all by Isaiah. He didn't know what to call him, so he simply referred to him as a voice crying in the wilderness. And then later came Malachi, 400 years after that, and talked about how he would come to prepare the way for the coming Savior. Well, when he came on the scene, people were immediately reminded of Elijah because he dressed like Elijah. He had he wore camel's hair clothing. He also ate like Elijah, wild honey and, and locusts. He also preached in the same area of, that Elijah had preached in. He also uh, preached like Elijah, a fire and brimstone kind of message. He called people to repentance. He said the judgment was coming, that uh, the axe was already laid to the tree, and that this was not something to be put on in his message. There was great urgency. And uh, he said that tomorrow, judgment may come tomorrow. And so he was urging people to get serious about the Lord. He even spoke to the religious leaders of the day, the, the uh, Sadducees and the Pharisees. And he called them a brood of vipers and really came down hard on them, calling them to repentance. And in his preaching, he stepped on a lot of toes. And there were some who didn't like their toes stepped on. And one of those was Herod. Because you see, Herod had had an affair with his brother's wife. And then he had divorced his own wife. And the brother's wife had divorced the brother. And those two had gotten together and married. And uh, John called it for what it was. He said that's adultery. That's a sin against the Lord. That's breaking up a family. And he called those two to repentance and to change lives. And Herod was angry, and he had John thrown into prison. That's the person I'm talking about, of course, is John the Baptist. And in our text, he's in prison. And uh, he sends a message to Jesus. And Jesus then answers the message. And in that exchange, uh, God is speaking to us today. In that exchange, we see a hurting man and a loving Lord. And that's very important to note, and that's what we want to talk about this morning. A hurting man and a loving Lord. Because so often we are the hurting man, and our loving Lord speaks to us. And so I pray God's blessing upon my speaking and your hearing. The question that John sent to Jesus was this. Are you one who is to come, or shall we look for another? That's a very simple question. And yet in that question, there is the evidence of a hurting man. A man who is hurting because he is under attack. Now John, you remember, had worked at the edge of the desert. He'd always been out in the open. And now all of a sudden he is confined to prison. Those narrow walls around him, the darkness, the dampness, all of that. And he is all alone. And he has lots of time to think. Lots of time to consider. And in that cruel circumstance, that's an opportunity for the dark, for the devil. And so the devil moves, moves into his darkness, into his vulnerability, 
And he begins to tempt. And he begins to lead him into doubt and into wondering. Now think about that for a moment, because that's the way the devil works. That when we are alone and when we are vulnerable, that's when he moves in on us to attack us, to destroy us, to lead us away from our Lord Christ, to destroy, to take away our peace, whatever it might be. That's what happened to Eve in the garden, remember? She was all alone. The devil moved in on her and said, Did God really say? And he began to lead her away from the Lord through doubt. And that's what he did with Job. Remember Job? Sick, afflicted, time after time by the devil. And, and he moves in on Job. And, begins, and Job begins to doubt and begins to wonder too. He can also do that when things are going very well. For instance, David. David's life was very successful. And yet David, one night, walking around the roof of his palace, sees Bathsheba bathing and begins to fantasize. And the devil moves in, sees an opening, and moves in immediately into his life and tempts him and how terrible things ended up for him. Or Elijah. Remember Elijah in the cave? Elijah's had great success. And yet he moves in on him in that, and he is vulnerable with pride and so on and fear. He moves in on him there. Or Luther, remember too. Luther's all alone in the Wartburg Castle. And the devil moves in on him, and Luther throws his inkwell at the devil. Well, that's one of his tactics, and it is still true today. The devil is still uh, moves in on us when we are vulnerable. For instance, we may be vulnerable in sickness, and there we are alone a lot of times in sickness, hospital beds and so on, or in grief. In grief, my, we can be so alone in grief, or defeated by something in life. Or on the other hand, uh, we, we may be uh, experience success and pride can come and there can be too much good and we can take all of that for granted. And the devil will move in on us and attack us. Peter knew about this and that's why he said this, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. Well, John was a hurting man because he was a man vulnerable at this point, and he is a man attacked. As we look at that and think about that, we can see warning there for ourselves. But also, John is a man hurting now, not only because he's attacked, but also because he is wrestling. He is wrestling. And he is wrestling with the Lord. And he is wrestling with what is happening. Now, he's not wrestling because he's in prison, because he knows why he's in prison. He's in prison for the same reason that David had been in prison, that Daniel had been in prison, and Jeremiah had been in prison. He was in prison for preaching repentance and calling people to repentance. That's not what's bothering him. What's bothering him is that his message is not coming true. The message that he had preached isn't coming true. He doesn't see it happening. You see, he has preached that John, that Jesus is John that Jesus is the Lamb of God. And He has called people to repentance. And He has said, judgment is coming. And now is the time. He's very urgent. This is not something to be put off. And then Jesus comes on the scene. And what John has preached is not happening in the time schedule that he thought it would happen. The judgment isn't coming just like he thought it would. It doesn't appear that the axe is at the tree. It doesn't seem all that urgent now because Jesus is going around doing all kinds of good and all kinds of things, all kinds of good things, but not the things that John had said he was going to do. And so John begins to wonder, is Jesus really the Messiah? Was the message I preached, 
really true? Have I, mis- have I been misled? Have I been misleading people? Because if my message has not been true, that makes me a false prophet. If my message has not been true, then is Jesus really who He says He is? And I believe He is. Because if He isn't, then my message is a zero message. And my life has been a zero life. And everything I've tried to accomplish is is zero. And so He's at the edge of hopelessness. And He is wrestling. He is wrestling with His doubts. He is wrestling with what's happening in His life. The same thing still happens today. That we as God's people wrestle with what's happening to us. About a month before my wife died, I have cousins in Ottawa who were celebrating their 50th anniversary, wedding anniversary. And so my brother and his wife and my sister came down from Nebraska, and we went down to Ottawa to help celebrate that 50th anniversary. Now this is a month before Esther died, and she is not feeling well at all. She's feeling very bad. And so she doesn't go with us down there. And we come back and we are telling her about the about the celebration, all these kind of things. And then after my sister and brother and they had gone back to Nebraska, Esther said to me, I know this isn't right. And I know I shouldn't think this way. But when I look at them and see how healthy they are and how much energy they have, I wonder if God loves me more, God loves them more than he loves me. That's wrestling. That's evidence of wrestling. That even though she was a person of faith and strong faith, still at that moment she is wrestling with what is happening in her life. Well, if you haven't wrestled, you will. I can say that. If you haven't wrestled, you will. And I hear wrestling lots. I hear words like this. Why is this happening to me? Is God punishing me? Does he love me? Why can't I die? If I'm going to die anyway, why do I have to linger? Why did I have to lose my spouse and she gets to keep her spouse? Why is it that everything he touches turns to gold and everything I touch turns to ashes? Because Satan's attacks are real. And sin is real. And life is not always fair. And circumstances can be cruel. We hurt. And we wrestle. Even today. Just like John did. But John was not only a man attacked and a man wrestling, but he was also a man seeking. Now listen to this very carefully. 
This is tremendously important to note. He took his doubt right to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He knew that that's the only place he could get an answer, really. And so he went to the Lord Christ himself. And we should note this, note this. John, in his doubts, in his wrestling, does not whine in self-pity. He does not denounce in anger. He does not resign from life and ministry and frustration. He does not retreat into depression. He goes to the Lord, to the Lord himself. He does not assume an answer. He does not conjecture. And he doesn't come up with his own answer. But he goes to his Lord with his doubts, his fears, his anxieties and all those things. He goes to the Lord. Because he knows that his Lord has said at one time, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. And he remembers the invitation of Psalm 50:15, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will honor me. And that's something that you and I need to remember too, isn't it? That when we are hurting, when we are wrestling, when we are doubting, when we are wondering, when we are questioning, there's only one place to go, and that's to the Lord Himself. Because He has an answer for us. And that's grace, and that's love, and that's gospel. John, a hurting man, attacked, wrestling. But also in our text, and note this very carefully, in our text we also see a Lord loving, a Lord loving. And the first thing we want to note is how patient our Lord is with him and how understanding our Lord is with him. I think it's important to note what our Lord did not say to him. Jesus did not say to him, John, you're a preacher and you should know better. And he didn't say, John, where's your faith? And he didn't say, John, I can't believe this. A man of your stature and calling asking a question like this didn't say that. He didn't put him down. He didn't say, John, really, if you just had faith. There's no condemnation coming from Jesus. There's no judgmental chiding. There's no rebuke. And you know why? Because Jesus has been where John is. Jesus has been out in the wilderness. Jesus knows what it's like to be attacked by Satan. He knows what it's like to be alone. He knows what it's like to be vulnerable. He knows what it's like to be hungry and weak and and all of those things. He knows what cruel circumstances are all about. He knows what questions and doubts are all about. He can understand the heart of John because he's been there where John is. And so he is patient and he is understanding with John. And that is great comfort for you and for me. Because when we're in this kind of situation too, we know that when we go to our Lord, He knows what's going on inside us. He knows our fears, He knows our doubts, He knows our questions, all of those kinds of things. So He's been through it all too. And He also, you see, has teared up. And He also has choked up. And He also knows what we're going through. And so He's patient and He's understanding, just like He was with John. Well, where does he go? What does Jesus say to John? And this is so important to know too. He sends John back to the Bible. Listen to this. 
This is what he says to the messengers. Go back, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. Now, all of those things were happening, but also in bringing those things out, he is quoting from Scripture. Jesus, when he says that, is quoting from Isaiah chapter 35, and he's quoting from Isaiah chapter 61. Because Jesus knows that John's hurt finally is a spiritual hurt, and when there's a spiritual hurt, there's only one place to go, and that's back to God's Word. And so he sends him back to God's Word. And you know, he does the same thing with you and me. When we are hurting, when we are wrestling, when there are questions, there are doubts, he sends us back to God's Word. When we are fearful and afraid, for instance, he sends us to Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's Scripture speaking to us. And when we think our sins are too great and our lives are too messed up that God can't possibly forgive us, Then he sends us back to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And though they are real as crimson, red as crimson, they shall be like wool. And when we are facing a terminal disease, and cancer is robbing us of our lives, then he sends us to Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And when we are standing at the open grave of a loved one, he sends us to John chapter 11. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he, doubt, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And when any kind of doubt or questions come to our mind and we wonder whether God loves us, or whether God, what's God's plan for us, then he brings to our minds words like, words like manger and cross and empty tomb. And in those single words, there is assurance and certainty and comfort and hope and guidance and blessing. Those single words lift us up and send us on. One more thing. Finally in our text, we discover a loving Lord that appreciates what we do as His people and admires that. Because after the messengers of John go back to John, Jesus then talks about John. And what He says about John is so wondrous. Because He says, you know, John was a great prophet, did a great work for God. He was a great messenger. And he talks about John's commitment and John's sacrifice and John's obedience and and John didn't count the cost, all of those kind of things. And when we look at that, then that's very important to note. Because he says, you know, yeah, John was a sinner, but he's also a saint. John was strong, but he was also weak. John was a believer, but he was also a doubter. John was zealous, but there was some laziness there too. John was courageous, but he was afraid. John was loving, 
but perhaps at times unloving. In other words, John's just like us, a saint and a sinner. And Jesus sees that and understands that and appreciates that and admires that and compliments that. And he does the same thing as he looks at you and me. Well, it's a great story, this story of our text. And as we've worked our way through it, we've seen a hurting man and a loving Lord. And I pray that in all of this, you have heard God speaking to you. Amen.